All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now with the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. Welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. My name is Chris Denson. Uh, to my right, as you cannot see, is uh, Diana Williams. Waving. <laughs> Waving. Let's do the wave. Can we do the wave? With that? Wee. All right. That was, that was awesome. Uh, the reason we're doing the wave is because we're celebrating our uh, our latest guest, uh, Dan Goods, right? It's in, yep. There's an S on the end. Yes. It's like canned goods or dry goods. Right. It's almost, you're almost like a rapper now. Can like, goods, damn good. Yeah. Um, you did let me have it one time when I I referred to you as good. I think it was yeah, like a, yeah. either I caught you on a bad day or you just get it too often. <laughs> um, and uh, I will I will let you introduce yourself uh, and tell us who you are and and what you do. Okay, uh, I'm Dan Goods, and I am an artist, designer, sort of creative thinker, and I get to run a little group at uh, NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab where we do anything from art pieces that go to art museums to talk about what NASA does in, in more of an experiential way. Uh, I also uh, do art projects outside of JPL uh, at uh, public and private institutions. It's awesome. Has anybody ever told you your voice sounds like uh, Jeremy Piven? No, I don't even know who Jeremy Piven is. So Entourage, the <laughs> agent. So now everybody's going to think. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute, is that, is that Jeremy Piven acting? But just look him up when you when we when we sure, get done with the show. Sure. You can tell I, I haven't been watching a lot of TV recently. Well, you've got your head in the clouds, I got, I got things so to speak, right? <laughs> um, so what is so title wise? When I look at LinkedIn, I see visual strategist. Uh, what the hell does does that mean? <laughs> yeah, well that that's a uh, a good name. Um, for someone uh, trying to do a lot of creative visual stuff, and so it, it's it's pretty broad. Yeah, yeah. I know it's kind of a weird name, isn't it? <laughs> Actually, there, there's there's a real story behind that, but uh, I can't tell it. So. Oh man. Yeah, I know. I know. You can't change the names to protect I, the innocent. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. No, no, it causes too much uh, uh, strife. So nice. No, it's always interesting having like titles like that because you. It's a. It's always a good conversation piece, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, people are like. What? Well, what I what I do is that uh, when people say, well, "What in the world is a visual strategist?" is I bring out my business card. I don't happen to have one right now, but it doesn't matter because we're on radio. Yes. So, uh, and and I have a. Uh, we're I, a step down from radio, just say. <laughs> okay, just step down. Okay. <laughs> we are, uh, you know. Well, we're uh, on our way up. Yes, but we are. Thank you, Sean. Yes, we are on our way up. Awesome. Says the man from the Sideshow Network, which is one of the largest podcast networks in the country, if not the world. Shameless yeah, plug. Yeah, so there you go. So what I do is I take out uh, my business card, and it, it's a black business card with a, um, a grain of sand on it, and I have a hole drilled into that grain of sand. And so I show it to someone. I say, this, this is a hole drilled into a grain of sand. And if this grain of sand were our galaxy, we live in the Milky Way galaxy. There's billions of stars in our Milky Way galaxy. This hole represents where we found thousands of planets. Actually, let me say that over again. This is where we found hundreds <laughs> of planets. <laughs> I'll try to do it when you're not laughing so you can... No, no, no. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's actually one of my favorite yeah. you know, pieces of yours, yeah. which yeah. is just like, yes, let's have an engineer drill a hole in a grain of sand. And I think you explain it where it's like the ga- the known universe fills up six rooms yeah, with grains yeah, of sand. Yeah, Look, I know yeah, your whole yeah. thing. There you go. Um, and then that that hole in that grain of sand is like our galaxy and what the other... So so the, the, the grain of sand is our galaxy, and the hole, which is a tenth of the size of the grain of sand, is where we found hundreds of planets that are around other stars. And we're going to find thousands of planets within that same hole let alone the rest of our galaxy, which is that grain of sand, let alone the six roomfuls of sand. And you've been doing this for how long? <laughs> <laughs> for 10 years. So, yeah. it, it, you know, again, another LinkedIn reference. I, you know, I look back and I see, no, like you almost didn't exist professionally before JPL, right? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, so. Well, I, um, I... At least according to, to the LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I used to live in Seattle and I freelanced as a graphic designer up there. 
And so that was sort of my background. And then I went to Art Center College of Design, where I studied graphic design. That's awesome. You were you going to ask something earlier? I, well, how, I cut you off. I'm sorry. Well, how did you get from graphic design and then in to JPL? Yeah. What was that bridge looking like? Yeah. I'm going to read something to that point, and then I'm going to let you answer, because this, this is really cool. Um, this, is, this is quoting you, by the way. Um, <laughs> while creating a pipe organ out of soda pop bottles, gardening at the Huntington Gardens and designing four-dimensional objects, I developed a passion. It is to give people experiences where they interact with something beautiful, meaningful, and or possibly profound. Do you remember writing that? I, I do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, it, I mean, that's, I feel like it's a good sort of transition to Diana's question, you know, which is how did, you know, how did you go from the pipe organ pop bottles to... Yeah. To, yeah, so there was a, a couple different things that was going on. One is that I had a instructor at Art Center that um, he's this old Chinese fellow, and uh, you would ask him a question about how to do an ad for Nike. And he would tell you about the Roman Empire. He'd tell you about Atlantis, you know, like the true facts of Atlantis. <laughs> He'd tell you about uh, today's stock market. He wouldn't tell you anything about shoes, but at the end of it, somehow you knew exactly what you were supposed to do. And, um, and while I was there, I saw I was in graphic design, and most of the graphic designers, they really cared about like what color you used and what typeface you used, but they didn't really care about the concept. And then there was ad students, and they had amazing big concepts that were crazy and weird and wild, but they couldn't design anything. So everything they did looked ugly. And then there was uh, students that were called environmental design students, and they, they would create spaces. They would create. Uh, they would be within a room and create, uh, do things to that room that would make it feel different. And by by the materials that they used, right. and they would use like a thousand ping pong balls in a space, and and you'd be like, wow, what is that? And you'd never seen that before. And and then there would be a concept behind it. But they would they would write like this five page long dissertation on why they did something. I didn't understand a word they were writing, right. but I loved what they were doing, and so I loved. Um, the the big idea, you know, some conceptual idea. I love creating a space that can communicate that, but also do it in a beautiful, you know, artistic way. And so that was sort of one area. Right. And then the other thing is, I got a chance to go work at uh, at Caltech for a summer, and I worked with an artist who was uh, developing new ways of visualizing lots of data. And that's sort of a whole long story, yeah, but it was, it was really cool. I got to swim like an otter for half an hour a day as research, and it was awesome to be swimming back and forth in the pool. And, and Did you, get, did and, you throw a little ball at you and well, you had to bounce it on your neck? Well, I would go way down and up and flip and twist, and, and there'd be an old you know, Caltech professor. He's kind of looking over, and he's like, what are you doing? And, and I'd say, oh, I'm doing an experiment, and, and I'm swimming like an otter. And he's like, oh. That's great, you know. So, so that'd be that was awesome. So, so that was my first experience working with scientists. So, what does it, what, what does yeah. an experience like that give you, right? Like, what when you're sw- swimming yeah. like an otter? Yeah. What was yeah. the thesis? Yeah, to yeah. That? You, you, need, you need to understand why I was doing that. So, so uh, scientists collect so much data that we can't comprehend it all. So, well, you, you can even just think about YouTube. You know, every, every second, billions of things are going right. on top of YouTube, and that's a lot of information. And uh, well, they're, they're collecting lots of information about things that it's hard to understand, usually. And uh, they're trying to look at all this information. You know, like when you uh, – trying to think. Like if, if you're standing someplace and you're, like, listening to the crowd, you can pick out a few different voices. Well, their instruments can pick out – you know, like a million voices. Right. And and then they have a million of these things in lots of different formats, and, and they're trying to figure out how in the world do I understand, comprehend this stuff. Right, percentages, statistics, and, you know, stuff that it gets so minuscule that, it's it, like I said, it's, it's just hard for the average person to go. Well, it's, okay, it's hard for them. It. Right. It's hard for them to understand what they're looking at. And so... Um, what, what, I was, what my job was to do is try to come up with ways in which... They could look at lots of information, but absorb more of it. Right. And so, when you look at um, uh, colors, you know you, you can see a certain amount of colors, um, but there's only so many colors that you can sort of quickly read between. You know, like right. you know, and and so um, what he was having me do is look at the way in which uh, transparency and iridescence. So iridescence is sort of like shimmering different colors. How could those two qualities? 
allow you to get a little bit more information than what they're already getting. And so swimming like an otter was swimming in water with the sun reflecting off of the water. And there's lots of iridescence on that yeah. very top surface. And there's lots of transparency and, um, and opacity. And so I'm not really a swimmer. So they, they, this was a new world for me. I swam for 15 years, if anybody yeah. cares. Well, you know, <laughs> so you wouldn't have gotten to do this because <laughs> you would have been so sensitized to that right. world. Now, I wasn't sensitized to that world, and so that allowed me to kind of see it maybe in a little bit different way. And then, and then I took lots of pictures and, and kind of made uh, various prototypes, and eventually I came up with a sort of a, a visual search engine um, where they could uh, – where things that iridesced and things that were transparent and translucent kind of gave them uh, more insight on what they were trying to find out. Got it. I think I got it. Yeah. I but understand. no, but here's the, here's what I love about what you do, right? Like you take concepts like that like which, you know, half of our three listeners probably won't understand. But um but then you you know, you translate that into a digestible form that's really accessible by the masses. I was and I meant to bring this book in. I have a book that um, my, I have an eight-year-old daughter, and there's a book that's like, oh, here's all these weird questions about the world. And there was one that was about space and the universe. And even reading that, and it's designed for kids, I go, I'm like, huh? But I can look at, we can have this grain of salt, or this grain of sand conversation, and I get it, right? Um, and I also say, like, sort of as marketers, our job is to translate and, you know, and come up with a strategy to either visualize or turn something into an experience, turn principles into an experience. Um, so to do that with NASA, like, you know, give us some other examples of how, you know, how that's come to live in, in, in the real world where you're taking a concept and turning it into something that people can actually digest and understand. Yeah. So uh, what I always try to do is try to understand what is the essence of what uh, they're working on. And I, I think it's a lot same as, as a marketer, I would, I would assume is that you're, you're trying to figure out what's the essence of something. And then, um, telling people about it in in a way that's that's uh, beautiful and and uh, compelling and mysterious and and also meaningful. And right. so uh, one project I have is called the Hidden Light, and the Hidden Light is about trying to find planets. This go back to the the planets around other stars. Right. So. Um, this is really hard to find planets around other stars. I don't know if you've tried to do that. I have not. Uh, no, okay. no, no, not recently. <laughs> you, you haven't dug it. I will so. tonight, though. <laughs> you will tonight. So when you look up <laughs> at the sky, you know you see all those dots up there, and those things are a long, long ways away. And we're finding out that most of these things all have planets, like Jupiter, like other you know sized planets going around them. Now, when we just kind of stand here and look up there, we, we can't see that because right. they're so far away. And so they they give the analogy of trying to find a firefly in front of a spotlight that's in New York if you're in L.A. So I don't know if you can do that, but I I can't, you know, so that's really hard. So so that analogy is really fascinating, right? And so it's uh, so what we're trying to do is, is trying to see in the midst of this bright light, something that's super, super, super dim. Right. And so, um, I, I kind of uh, create this phrase, and I, I like to find little phrases that allow me to explore. And so this is why I call directed play. So I, I, I get a little bit of direction, and then I play in that direction. And so the direction here is, how do you block out a bright light to see a really dim light? And so what I, what I ended up putting together is I have a, a really, really bright projection shining against the wall. And this projection kind of feels like a sun. It's like this yellow and red pixelation and when people walk up to this installation, that's all they see. They, they don't see anything else. But people love to do shadow puppets. And so <laughs> they kind of go in and they, you know, someone, someone that's is going to do that. I'm actually. glad you laughed. Okay, there you go. So, so eventually someone has to do it. You know, they just can't help themselves. Their hand like burns off because the light is so bright. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the sun. Watch <laughs> no, out. wrong one. It's our own Pavlovian kind of response. We see a light, you do yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a terrible uh, shadow puppet dog what? you just did, by the way. It, it almost looked like Nanu Nanu, like Mork and Mindy. Okay, That's all right. You can do Nanu Nanu. So, so, so I have this really bright projection up on a wall, and it's so bright that you can't see the other projection that is also being projected on that wall. 
So the really bright projector is about waist high and it's straight on to the wall. The other projector is way up high at an angle. So what happens is when people walk in front or do shadow puppets or nanus in front of uh, the bright projection, their shadow goes up on the wall and inside their shadow they can see the other projection. Uh, which which has like planets going by and and water because we're looking for evidence of water, and so what's fun about this is that the first person kind of goes out there and kind of plays around and everyone kind of giggles and then and then they go oh there's something there you know did you see that you know did you see that thing and and then someone else walks out there and then more people and it's usually really big so it takes like eight people to block out the whole right. thing. And so then they're all invested in it. It becomes sort of a community type of event. So they're all like, I mean, not all of them, but that example in particular is super interactive, right? Mm-hmm. And it gets people engaged, like physically engaged and mobilized within the experience. Is there is there a payoff, right? Like, you know, because it's, again, explaining a, a scientific concept, you know, where do I learn? what that additional sure, sure. piece of media was. Yeah, so so there would be some sort of uh, description somewhere that, that just says the high level, you know, we've found hundreds of planets around other stars. It's hard to find them because stars are bright and planets are really dim. And then just some, some sort of little description that, that gives people a connection that, that then they go, aha, you know. Right. No, I mean, what I love about this, I mean, just in terms of, it, again, it's that translation, and especially when, you know, NASA or JPL has a brand, right? Like, and they have a product, and they have a purpose and a goal, and it's, you know, any organization needs the support of the masses in some sort, or at least a subset of the masses, and this is a great way to do it. There's another one that um, that I that also fascinated me was the weather patterns with the, the, uh, can you explain? So, so <laughs> I'm not going to have you go through your entire catalog of work, but, <laughs> but that one was really interesting as well, just because it was, it was more centered on our planet. Yeah. But, well, that one actually, so that one uh, is called the E cloud. That was not a JPL project. Oh, so okay. That, that was, uh, a big, um, you, you have to see the video. It, it, it yes. makes much more sense. Uh, I've tried to explain it to people, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Most times I get yeah. like three when, blinks. When, when you see it, then you go, wow. That, hopefully you say, wow, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but there is another, uh, let's see, trying to think about Earth-based ones. Um, so we, we, uh, so I, I lead a team of other creative people. So now on my team I have a, I have a product designer. I have a film and special effects person. I have an architect, someone who just graduated from SciArc. And uh, someone who was in advertising and uh, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say about him? Anthropology. Mm. <laughs> and um, so one project that we have been working on recently and just kind of came out in the news is, uh, is a robot. And there's a robot that they're calling Robo Simeon. So Robo Simeon is a DARPA uh, competition. DARPA is sort of a military. Um, uh, Diana's thing. nodding her head. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She knows it. Military. But, <laughs> but this one, this one. So, so they have uh, DARPA has various competitions, but this one is actually to build a robot that is like a first responder for something like Fukushima or something like that. Wow. So, for a robot to be able to go into a, you know a bad situation, and when you go into a bad situation and you look like this robot, this one's. The way it moves is just bizarre. You need to see the video. Just go on YouTube, look for Robo yeah. Simeon. Robo Simeon. Yeah, Got and it. and uh, it moves really bizarre. And if you were like in Fukushima and you know under some rubble or something like that, and this thing were to be crawling out towards you, you would just rather die, right? You know, <laughs> if you're like, so, oh, is, no. it is it large? Is it small? <laughs> like, like what? It, is, it's what? pretty small. It's uh, it's sort of like uh, well, it's sort of like if I got on my hands and knees, or maybe you, you're you're a little bit bigger than I am. So, Thank you. So you bet. So so, um, so so it's not it's not all that that big, but you know, it's it's uh, it's it's. It's got it. Has a size. No, that, yeah. I'm just trying and to think. So, like again, to the to the point. Like if if I saw me yeah, crawling yeah. towards me <laughs> in the midst, but of but just imagine you where you have multiple joints and they can all move 180 degrees. Think about that. So so there's no front. So so you can't. So it can it can. I'm go like scared. Like, like I'm literally it's scared like a, listening to this. It's like a flagellum then, a flagella, right? Because it kind of can move it's, front and well, back, no, or some of, sort of like of, a microscope or amoeba. Think of a, or... think of a think of a spider that's going forward, and it can move backwards. But what's crazy is those legs can swing up 
and move like if there was a ladder above it, it could move just as if it were on the ground, but above itself. I'm like it's literally really terrified like, right now. Like so, South so Korean you, horror. You want to go, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. what this is. This so, is South Korean So horror. that's exactly the point. So they, um, this guy who's leading the team, he said, Dan, well, first off, I, uh, he came because he really wanted a cool image to, to sell the product, right? Uh, to sell it to, to Darby. He wanted something that was, that was nice for everyone to right. see. And, and you need those images, right? You need the, the hero shot that this thing is going to come and help. Um, but, uh, but people on, on the team, they, they were like, well, you know, have we talked to, um, first responders, you know, like what do they want a robot? So we started to do research on that. And then we started to think about, well, how do first responders around the world, um, mark themselves? You know, how do you, what kind of colors do you use? What kind of textures do you use? That sort of thing. And then we looked at, uh, like a St. Bernard, and a panda, and they have like you, know, you look at their eyes, yes. and they're, mm-hmm. they're they're very compassionate looking, and they're both delicious, by the way. I haven't tasted them. Oh well. So so so, <laughs> but then you also look at cars. If you look at the front grills of cars, car companies spend a lot of money on those things because it, it gives it has sort of a face. And if you look at lots of them, some of them look um, happy, you know, or friendly. You think of a Volkswagen Beetle. Right. And then, well, then Disney's banking on that, so yeah. And then and then you look at um, other cars, and they're mean and aggressive because the people who drive it are you know awesome, you know, and <laughs> with, with this awesome car, and I'm just going to blow you away with it, right? right? So so there's that whole spectrum, and so uh, we kind of looked at all that and the various references, and thought, you know, well, what what do we what do we want this thing to portray? Because it's got to it's got to still have some heroicness to it, but we don't want to freak people out. But we want people to know that it is there to help you. Uh, it's not really there to like pick you up and drag you back. It's more just to go in there and sense uh, the chemicals in the air and right. that sort of stuff. Um, uh, but still, you don't want to freak people out. And and so um, so looking at all that reference, we ended up coming with uh, coming out with this sort of uh, vision for the future for what this thing might look like. And and hopefully, if you look up Robo Simeon, you'll you'll kind of get a sense of where that was coming from. And so what was I'm cool about that? We're talking, you yeah. have to see this. Amoeba, yeah, I know, right? This has to be real South time. Korean horror thing. <laughs> so there's there's two different parts. There's one which is sort of like the uh, illustration of what it might look like in the future. But then on YouTube, there's a video, and uh, it's pretty crazy. It was fun because uh, it barely worked when we were supposed to film it, and uh, because we're we're just barely building it, they just put on the limbs, and they didn't really have time to test it, <laughs> and. Uh, Robo Simeon resembles a robot monkey is one of the descriptions. Is that is that the the JPL news? Yes, yep. construction yep. of JPL. Yep. Oh, I'm going to turn the volume off. Sorry, guys. Um, so, I mean, again, just like really interesting, and uh, it's it's kind of taking those kind. Of, I'm, I'm going to call them brand principles, right? Like you mentioned the the look, the feel, the texture, the colors, how people are going to respond to it. It's almost like um, if somebody's drowning, they you know, talk about how lifeguards are usually you're going to have to fight the person you're saving, yes. yeah, you know, but yeah. but it's almost to a point where it, that's almost to your advantage in, in a weird <laughs> in, a, in a weird way. And to kind of I'm, I'm looking at this thing now. It is as creepy as I thought it was going <laughs> to look. It's throwing me off. Um, what I want to know also is just kind of like. How do you measure success at, at you know at JPL right? Because we find we, in the show we get really talk to a lot of marketers and agencies and other innovators in other spaces, but also look at some of the common threads that they face. And a lot of times, if oh, I'm, I'm part of the innovation think tank at such and such agency, and it's just like you're out there doing God knows what, and some certain people are going to go either they're going to support you or not. Or, you know, just kind of like how do you measure success at work? You know, what what are your deliverables? Well, that's a little bit different. Uh, my deliverables and what how I measure success. But um, sure. so so for me, the reason I do this is that when I when I walk up to someone who's experienced uh, like one of the art installations that that we produced, and they they have. Well, I like to say that uh, I, I want to be able to create a moment of awe. I want to, I want people to have a moment of awe about the universe that we live in. Mm-hmm. And when they have that moment of awe, that's you know I I, I I've, I've succeeded. Right. And and I feel like that 
you know, when when people get to experience these things and when they make the connections, then then they're a different person. You know, they they're like, you know, I've never thought about planets around other stars. I've never I've never I've never watched a NASA uh, uh, documentary, but I went to this music festival and there was this thing there by a guy from NASA and and it, you know I never would have expected to see it there right and so that's that I, I love that and then also um, I'm hoping that our team and and having more uh, people that are creative in in the worlds that we're creative in uh, have a, a true and lasting impact on the way in which uh, JPL works in the future and, right. and I feel like that's that's happening that we're getting involved in areas that they never would have originally thought that artists and designers would be involved in. So we're, we're actually getting involved in, in the brainstorming of future missions, which is awesome, yeah. you know? And, and, uh, and I feel like they, uh, people come into our office and our studio, and, and this is what I've always wanted, and, and it's beginning to happen more now, is where people come in, they're like, you know, I'm not sure why I'm here, but I know I should be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and what's great is they they say you know we we don't know what to do in this area or that area, uh, help us out, you know we we know you guys are creative thinkers how can you help us now are these people like when you say people come in like what yeah. so so uh, it's not people off the street um, <laughs> hey guys that would be awkward yeah. okay uh, <laughs> can I get a lift yeah, going exactly. to Mars exactly you know that <laughs> I, that would be fun though um, maybe not maybe maybe not so so uh, JPL is a big place. It's a big campus. There's 5,000 employees and there's 1,500 uh, contractors. And I, I can't remember how many square acres there is, but uh, watch out for that. Yeah, yeah. I, so. So thank you. I hit the microphone just in case you guys wanted to know what. Jumped right at him. <laughs> so it's a huge place. We have like 15 deer that are on campus and they, they, uh, they don't leave. <laughs> and they, they don't care that you walk, you know, that you're trying to get around them. So um, we have our own power station, our own uh, our own um, uh, ambulance, and and we we have a. So basically, we need to head to you when the zombie apocalypse happens. It's right to JPL. Exactly. Got it. That's where I'm going. I hope hope there's snacks. You'll be there. (laughs) Like, oh look, they're trying to get in. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, so so think of uh, JPL as a, um, a big city that has business units, and so we have like the Earth business unit. So uh, lots of missions that are that work with Earth, uh, Earth uh, studying the Earth in various ways, and then we have the solar system, and then we have Mars, and then we have the universe as another business unit, and so um, all these people are trying to do their their work, and then they they uh, they come to us for various things, and so sometimes people come to us to uh, communicate an idea, and that could be a video or it could be a you know an art installation or something like that. Or they come to us to help them build a new facility, and and so we've actually worked on creating innovation centers at JPL. Right. Um, uh, we we've uh, worked on redesigning uh, control centers, and um, well, uh, you know, I was even first of all, it's a beautiful campus, I, gorgeous you know, campus. It's, yeah. it's beautiful, um, and I got to see some of your like. In almost like interior design work, right? Like because you, there are certain creative spaces in there where it's kind of like these are this is the think tank room. Don't come in here with your computer, but you know, um, and you've really done a great job of redefining textures. And I look at that, you know, is setting that precedent for. I always look at things that set an example or, or change perspective for, for someone who visits. So when now when I think about workspaces and, you know, most if you go into a writing room or a brainstorm room, it's like, oh, you've got the rubber ball or you've got these toys. But really, you talk, you started talking earlier a little bit about like textures and looks and feels and mm-hmm. like turning things upside down. Um, can you give us some examples of just at least one of those kind of creative spaces and some of the things you've introduced there that kind of change the way people interact with thought and ideas and brainstorming? Yeah, um, well, I think that there's two different rooms that I like to talk about. One is called left field, so the ideas come from left field, and I got um, it. I got <laughs> it. I'm, I'm there. I got it. <laughs> there we go. Good one, Dan. Was- <laughs> <laughs> got that one across there. So, so yeah. So it's a uh, it's big. We we have like these uh, 30 foot long by eight foot tall whiteboards and and lots of the the whole idea of this space is that most it's very easy to have an idea 
and have that be your little baby and you don't want to give it up, right? You don't want it to change at all. This is my, this is my idea and, and uh, this is the way I want to do it. But that may not be the best way to do it. And so what we try to do is help other scientists or um, people at NASA expand uh, the possibilities. And so they go into this room and, and the whole room is sort of centered on trying to make sure that no one feels like there's anything permanent. Because as soon as there's something permanent, then that's kind of sort of sticks you in, in, in a direction. Right. And so this is a spot to not be stuck. And so, so everything about the room is modular. Uh, the tables move. Uh, you know, uh, it'll look completely different one day from the next. Right. And so everything that we tried to introduce into that room, we wanted uh, that feeling that you, you weren't going to, you know, that it wasn't permanent. There's a, another room that we call, it's the Mechanical Design Center. And uh, that room, I, I like to try to put a story in a room. And so this room, um, uh, uh, they, they sort of design all the actual hardware. So once, once something's done from left field, it goes to another place, and uh, hopefully they win the mission. And then the Mechanical Design Center is where they actually have to build the stuff. Right. And so uh, there's this crazy uh robot tra- trapezoid oh, i think trapezoid. something like that <laughs> that that held on to the rovers that went to mars um 10 years ago and this was a duplicate of, of it and and it's really cool looking but it's this bizarre shape and uh it was sitting in a is big hunkin piece of aluminum and it was sitting in storage and uh we were walking around storage looking for something that could become a table and we saw that thing and we said, oh, that would be awesome as a table. And we, we polished it up and put glass on it. And it's a great story to be able to say, you know, the people who made that rover on Mars, you know, they used this thing to test with and, and now, it's, now it's our table. Right. You know? mm-hmm. and, and, and so I, I always think that whenever you have a space, there needs to be a story that um, uh, kind of brings a, a different feeling to the well, space. It's that, it's, that, it's that the room in itself is an inspiration. Right and the and the the bits and pieces and like knowing the stories you told a story before about a table that was made with paper right like mm-hmm. is there and mm-hmm. you know it's just stacks and stacks of paper it's almost as solid as this wood mm-hmm. but it just feels slightly different right mm-hmm. so yeah. um, it is you know I'm going to cheat here but one of the questions we always ask people is to fill in the blank and I say innovation to me is right and they have all these different things and it is is kind of the common thread is rethinking, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it very people say it in different ways and shapes and forms, but that's, you know, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You talked a little bit about your personal success. Um, what does the company view as success for you? Like, you know, they say, all right, we just spent X amount of dollars on this ex- exhibition. We better have like, <laughs> or, or but to also ping off of that. <clears throat> if, you know, for the audience member listening to this, um, if they're thinking singular, <laughs> singular, even that was cruel. If they are thinking, I mean, everyone has that view. They have that view of NASA, that Apollo 11 from the film shot of NASA. That's what they think of as scientists. That's, that's as far as they go. So for that person that's wondering, well, what the hey are you doing at NASA? Why does this make sense? Can you talk to both of those questions as in terms of just giving the full spectrum as to why what you do is so important to allowing the scientists to continue on with what they're yeah, doing? Yeah, well, have you ever heard an engineer trying to explain, you know, uh, a, a robot to you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. No, so, my, my, left, so, my left brain so, explodes. So there, there are a few of them that are amazing, and there's, uh, you know, a number of scientists that are really good at that. But they've... Um, they live in a world where they, they have to they, they speak very technically to all their to all their peers, and it's hard to get out of that tech, techno speak. Right. And so, uh, I'm not the smartest person on the block, and so oh, I, I think I you just, are. Come on, Dan, just you give know, it up. Are. Now, now maybe on your block, maybe not on my. <laughs> hey, why is everybody <laughs> on down and on me? I'm not on his block, so we're <laughs> yeah. all on the same. I live actually a couple of miles away from him. <laughs> no, yeah. So, so, so what what I do is I, I try to ask them. You know, how would you explain this to your mom? And a lot of moms are really smart, but a lot of moms um, are smart in the things that they were accustomed to. And, and these young whippersnappers are doing, you know, weird stuff with technology and going to other planets that maybe my mom wasn't always associated with. And so, um, so I just, you know, like if I, my mom still doesn't really know what I do, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah. I don't think anybody's so, mom in, so, in this space. Why is it always I'm not, moms, you know, you know, gentlemen? I think, yeah, I need, some I need fathers to be are not that. so Because my wife is a mom. Yes. You know, so she's your wife. She kind of came, yeah. she's on this journey with you. Let's your mom kind of was like, I didn't expect you to turn out this way. She's like, yes. She's really smart. So I was saying that. Yeah. Okay. So, so I just kind of dug myself in a hole there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, we're, no, we're nowhere near and Mother's I, Day. It's I thought okay. about that right as I was saying that. So, hmm. Well, anyways, you got to explain just, it to me. That's that's really what I want. You know, I want them to explain it to me. And and uh, you know, I'm not trying to have them dumb anything down. I just want them to speak clearly and plainly. And once they get to that point, then I can understand it. And then I feel like I, I'm pretty good at being able to go out and tell people about it. And the reason why they, uh, NASA needs people like me and, and all that, I mean, there's, there's hundreds and hun- hundreds of other people that, that talk to the public, is that we spend your money. You know, we spend taxpayer dollars. And you have the right to know what the heck we're doing with your money. Right. And, and what we're doing with it is really cool. <laughs> you know, yep. and and you won't know that unless um, someone who's trained in communicating right. um, uh, communicates it, and so that's that's why it's really important. Otherwise, you guys would say, you know, what in the world are they doing with that money? Let's let's go use it for something else. Right. Well, what's cool is that also sounds like you're translating ex- the excitement because, like, what made that engineer so excited to continue with what he or she was working on? Mm-hmm is a different explanation as to how you bring that excitement to the public so they get yeah. why we should ma- remain that, excited and continue to give money to NASA. Thank you very much. And even to that point, I, th- I think that also makes the people who are making the stuff more excited, right? Like, Well, it's- that's what I love is that a lot of times they're so focused on details because they have a billion details that they have to figure out. Like, you look at the the uh, rover Curiosity that landed on Mars. I don't know if you saw the video. I did. Which seven, was seven minutes of care. You look at that and you go, there's no way in the world that thing can Which happen. Which is why so many people were so, watching yeah. it. <laughs> so, so, so there's a lot of people that are furiously trying to figure out details. And sometimes when you're trying to figure out like how this one little mechanism works and you work on that for two years, you forget like the bigger picture of why the heck I'm doing right. this thing. And so what I've loved is is showing or, or giving talks even at JPL and showing them projects and having them go, you know, that just reinforced why in the world I'm here to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and especially to hear somebody, it, it's it, it's that acknowledgement, right? Like somebody understands, somebody gets me yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. not just me. Yeah. And it's so important to have the the kind of the creatives and the, you know, the engineers even in uh, you know in in the in the marketing space right it's the people who are coming up with the concepts and then there's the people who have to figure out how to make it work or you have a product even if you make a snickers bar like if i'm in the, if i'm in the in the kitchen all day and like oh these are the best peanuts and this is such a, you know you know what snickers really satisfies and people are going to eat it there's this kind of like where's the glue between what you're making mm-hmm. and and what an audience is going to like uh, uh, need to hear or see to appreciate it um, so that, that's, I mean, that's really awesome. Um, are you ever planning on making a trip yourself off the- to Mars? Um, you know, I, I would love to, uh, so George Whitesides was, yes. was on and, and I would love to do that. I would love to, I would, I so much want to see that edge of the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I just think that would, that'd be really awesome. Yeah. My, my wife is a little less, um, excited for, for me to, it's the whole uh, getting to do back. that. Thing. You know, so, yeah. that's that's, yeah. that's what we're so kind of missing. Yeah. That yeah. it's well, not quite a return trip. We can come back the Red Bull way and just yeah. jump, yeah. jump. <laughs> just, just, yeah, we, we didn't well, train for this part. That was funny because I I skydived once and and uh, and I that wasn't all that exciting to me. It was kind of funny. I, I thought that was going to be really exciting, but the. Basically, it was just like a whole bunch of air going up my nose, and, and I couldn't really breathe. really cold air. The yeah. first time I jumped out of a plane, all I could think was, I should have brought a sweater. Yeah. I was like, this is really cold. I just wasn't. And yeah. you always hear about, all oh, those atmospheres. And all of a sudden, you're like, it's cold. Yeah, it's cold up here. here. <laughs> well, we, I wasn't quite as high as you know the Red Bull thing. Um, uh, so, so, you know, I was up there, and I was like, well, you know, this is a cool view. But, but because everything was so far away... 
it wasn't like like if I I, I haven't bungee jumped, it wasn't a complete. But, but I can imagine. Right. I can imagine what what's freaky is when you see the movement. You you mm-hmm. realize how fast you're going. Right. When you're skydiving, you don't realize it until you get you know nine point eight meters per yeah. second per second. <laughs> yeah. Did and I get then it right? You realize like oh I you know I. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh right, that yeah. It just went by that's like a, that. That's the bad part. But um, yeah, so so I don't. I, I have friends who who are interested. Yeah. So and and I like the concept. It just um, you know I'd love I'd you know I'd uh, I'd like to hang out with my family a little longer. So so you, uh, just a, you know you you mentioned Red Bull. We just had I mean kind of conversationally here, but also um, you consult a lot just on sort of you know sp- you guys were talking about this when I walked in the room without me. I, I appreciate it, but no, I do I do want to know a little bit more about your consulting work and how how you work with people outside of JPL and outside of your own artwork. To say, hey, here's a, a great way to present these, you know, this concept or create this thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I um, through my travels, I've met all sorts of interesting folks, and um, and I give lots of talks and uh, bump into interesting folks, and and so uh, sometimes people see the the art projects that I do through JPL, and sometimes they see the art projects that I I do outside of JPL, but the E Cloud. Uh, at the San Jose airport and the airfield at uh, the Atlanta airport. It's a brand new one that uh, collaborated with on uh, with uh, Nick Hoffermas and Aaron Koblen uh, for the first one. Sorry, I'm getting this all complicated. That's so, fine. No, no so worries. the eCloud, the eCloud was done with uh, Aaron Koblen and Nick Hoffermas, and then the uh, airfield in Atlanta uh, in a brand new terminal. It's a huge, huge data-driven sculpture that activates every time an airplane lands or takes off from the airport, right. which is kind of fun. And that was done with Nick Hoffermas and a guy named J- uh, Jamie Barlow. And so uh, people see those things, and they they you know they kind of look at the rest of the website, and they go, oh, well, you know, maybe this guy can help us uh, think through things. So I, I've been part of various brainstorming studies and and um, uh, helping uh, guide conferences, uh, maybe the, the content, and and uh, it's really kind of funny because um, I went to the TED conference and I bumped into uh, this lady who's in the home building community, hmm. and I was like. Oh wow, that's interesting. You know, I hate you know most track home kind <laughs> right. of places. You know, <laughs> and she wrote me up, and uh, we we kind of we we really enjoyed each uh, each other's company at, at the conference, and and she wrote me up, and she said, Dan, I'm trying to put together this uh, this conference for the home building uh, community. And, and it's about communities, creating communities, and we'd love to have you part of our initial brainstorming. And I'm like, holy <laughs> cow, what? <laughs> what is this? That's right. You know, and, and totally out of left, out of left field. You uh-huh. know? And, and, um, and I thought, you know, if I could have a small impact on the way in which communities are built, I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, that's great. And so what was really fascinating was that going to this room and there's like 15 people and they're all they're all in right you know like they they build the homes mm-hmm. they market the communities they they write the articles right. in the magazines and they go around the table and and uh they uh, the the question is why are you here and uh there's a couple of people who said oh you know Whenever I watch, what's that TV show where the home makeover? I cry Extreme every, home, I, yeah. cry, I cry every time I watch that because I'm part of this community of, of creating, you know, uh, homes for people. Right. And then other people talked about you know various things. I cry because I'm watching it with my yeah, wife. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of sitting there and I'm going, wow, what in the world am I going to say? Um, and so they they got to me and I was I was next to last and and I said, you know. Um, my wife and I live with uh, three kids in a two-bedroom apartment, and we live in in South Pass, and and uh, it's close to work. And our up our 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 neighbors in our apartment were like best friends; they're like family. Uh, we can go to the farmers market not too far away. And I said, you know, we we've been struggling. You know, this was before the housing boom, right. and should we go? Spend, you know, the only house in LA that we could buy would be, you know, a long ways away. <laughs> you know, do we go to buy a house? You know, and and I would be away from work more, um, so I can have that American dream, or do we stay in our little tiny apartment with all of our kids and take 
um, uh, uh, cello lessons from our downstairs neighbor and get to hang out more. And I said, you know what? We chose that. So right. we're not going to buy a house, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> and you, you, crickets. You, wow. you can imagine, you know, everyone kind of looking around, but, but they absolutely loved it. And it, and it really drove, um, the whole conference. The, the idea oil. of community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it's so, about. Right. And also I, th- I think, the, I mean, the, you know, the takeaway for me personally is uh, just bringing in a different perspective, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you spend, if I spend all day, you know, yeah. working on this one thing exactly. and with all my buddies and like, hey, let's think, you know, let's, let's tomorrow, Tuesday <laughs> at, at two o'clock, we're going to have a brainstorm. Yeah. And you guys have been here for three, four, you know, years. 50. Uh, exactly. Um, and it's like, bring in so, like somebody completely different, right? You know, whether it's you or it's the, the janitor, the, yeah. like everybody yeah, exactly. has a perspective yeah. and an experience yeah. in how they how they see the world. Yeah, so it's so it's kind of funny. All of a sudden, I'm I'm starting to go to more of these uh, uh, vision casting, you know, uh, get-togethers mm-hmm. uh, with with people building communities around the country. So it's it's kind of funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your zodiac sign? Yeah, what's the zodiac? That's uh, uh, I don't know. I'm September. Is that like uh, September 11th? Yeah. Actually, isn't Virgo. that great? So yeah, Virgo, Virgo, she Virgo. says. There we go. September 11th, my birthday. No, uh, always oh. uh, everyone remembers it. So. That's good. What's your zodiac sign, then? Libra. Capricorn. I have no idea what this stuff means. I'm not. I don't I'm even not know into... where. How do we even get here? Because, because it's it's astronomy, astrology, space. Come on. Sorry. It was a, it was a stretch. It was it was a good one. Um, finish this phrase for me. I already gave you sort of the the heads up. But um, innovation to me is. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm having a hard time um, saying that one off the top of my head because I've been trying to understand what people at JPL mean but they they've been trying i have been hearing different people talk about what is the definition of of innovation right and to them it's uh it's not just doing something new and unique but that it's it's doable and and you do it so until it's done it's not innovation which right. is really fascinating to me. So I, I never really thought until it's that. done, it's until not it's innovation. Done innovation. Yeah, because I mean, the ideas are innovative, right? So they like, don't sure. they don't want the journey to be the innovation. Yeah. So so JPL is full of uh, thousands of super smart, very creative people. They have no problems getting creative, innovative, creative ideas right. that most people would call innovative. But until we land on Until Mars. Until the Mars, the rover you know, lands. It's not, innov- you know, it's not, it's not, well, maybe it's huh. different. It's not an innovation. So innovative versus innovation. Right. Maybe, maybe that's a fine line, but, uh, but uh, yeah, until until it's it's doable, you know, it's it's not an innovation. So I agree. No, I, I 100% agree. You know, I, I, a garand or is it a noun? I mean, that's where we're at. A what? A what? A garand. Jaren. 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 What does that mean? Well, I mean, if we're looking at it like, so if, is it? Is it a? No, suddenly my intelligence quotient has just means. gone way Where down in this are, room. You know, if JPL is looking at an innovation, so they're looking at it as a noun, as a thing, as a completed mm. thing, mm. not the journey, not mm-hmm. the going, not the ing of it. Mm-hmm. So that's what. It's not the innovating. It's the innovation. Well, there's so a, a there's a pro- uh, it's, it's, to me, it's kind of a two pronged thing, right? There's the, there's a process that can be innovative, right? And you know the way you get there, the way you get to these new thoughts. For instance, the room that you talk about that you kind of redesigned into Tinker Toy, and hopefully that will that process, which is innovative and new. Will spark the innovation, it's innovation, yes. right? The the end result, uh, and it's just like that process of you know, how are we going to get there? Like we've found like the the target, and it's like all right, now what are the? Uh, I met a woman, um, uh, Mae Jemison, who was the first black astronaut to you know to leave the atmosphere, and and one of the projects that she's gotten funded recently is called the Hundred Year Starship. Oh wow! And it is you know how to get to the next solar system in the next hundred years. Just really like so loft. Like I'm like okay, well, well, you know, part of me is kind of like whatever, but the other part of me is like, you've been, you know, a percentage of the way there. You know, yeah. you you have the resources by which to at least think it through, and you know, in a hundred years is a long runway, and you've got to like you're defining the the process by which to accomplish that goal, and you probably won't even be around to see the end result. So it's a, the handing it down of the the baton. 
That's my soapbox. Sorry, guys. You want to? Anybody else want to say anything? I left my soapbox in the car. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, Dan, I want to thank you for uh, joining us. I don't know if you have any questions for us. I don't. Yeah. I have a question. Oh, there we go. All right. Please tell us your website. How can yes. people learn more about you? So um, uh, you can just Google Dan Goods, or you can look up Directed Play. So directedplay.com. Okay. My website. Great. I actually had that highlighted. So thank you. I, I had it highlighted on my notes and I cut to the clip. I'm so sorry. Um, but this I'm has... here to help. That's what I'm here to help. You are here to help. You've been, you've been I'm wonderful. glad you're looking out for me. I am. I'm all about you, Dan Goods. All about you. Hey, man, you're going to get at least seven new followers after this. Exactly. This, what is your there. Twitter handle? Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm. Uh, I, it's Dan Goods, but um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sign up. I wouldn't follow me to. You know, follow me a whole lot. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't follow me to follow me a whole lot. I got too many things to do to Twitter, you know? Yeah, I, I, there was a guy in here who uh, who has 30,000 Twitter followers, and his schedule sounded so busy. I'm like, where do you, like, how do you do it? You know, but anyway, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, this has been another Innovation Crush. Um, thank you, Dan, for stopping by. This has been an awesome conversation. Thank you, Diana, for being my guest co-host. You are welcome. Um, thank you, Sean, for waiting so patiently to press that stop button. And uh, we will uh, talk to you later. like listening to comedy try watching it on the internet the folks behind the sideshow network have launched a new youtube channel called wait for it it's got interviews with comedians like reggie watts todd glass liza schleichinger slicing driving friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and i still have a hard time with the last name liza our very own owen benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more you don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.